Hello there, welcome to episode 32 of Nevermind the Bullens, your bite-sized Everton podcast and vodcast. Uh, my name's Mike Peters. Uh, Happy New Year. Promised I'd say that again in episode 31, although it wasn't a particularly happy new year, was it, uh, for uh, for Everton? Uh, keeping up with our, our excellent New Year's tradition of managing to just be absolutely hopeless and put on awful, awful performances and just dreadful spectacles generally. I cast in mind back a couple of years uh, to the game against Leicester on New Year's Day, which was without doubt one of the weirdest atmospheres I've ever been to at Goodison. It was 12.30 on New Year's Day. Everybody was still half asleep and it was a terrible game and we lost it 1-0, but at least we're consistent on New Year's Day. That's a few on the trot we've lost now. Uh, and we'll get to talk about West Ham, uh, the West Ham game in a minute, uh, you know, as we uh, pick the bones out of the gruesome corpse that was that match. Uh, but first of all, I just want to talk about Man City. Obviously, in the light of the game on Monday being called off uh, and it now uh, subsequently transpiring that um, uh, Benjamin Mendy uh, broken protocols, uh, COVID protocols, um, and he's not the first Man City player to do this. This is the problem and, and the point I'm trying to make it here is, is that how many transgressions are there going to be from each club before the FA and the Premier League get involved when the ultimately what happens is is that fixtures get called off at very short notice um, and Fulham have had two called off this week City have had one they may well have more called off who knows you know where where's the sanctions going to come in when players and you you know players have to take individual responsibilities and clubs can't be responsible if one person breaks protocol you can't start finding clubs left, right and centre. But clearly, there's a discipline issue within the Man City uh, squad there as regards to them actually sticking to these protocols um, for the good of everybody. And it's starting to then have an impact on the league in terms of fixtures being called off and all the rest of it. So where is the point that um, the FA and the Premier League have to get involved and and, uh, do something about it? Points deductions, you know, fines, what have you, force them to play games even if they've only got 12 fit players what happens I don't know I, I'm, I'm sort of uh, thinking out loud a little bit and I'm sure there'll be many many others uh, far more eloquent uh, opinion makers within the game that will um, uh, that will be espousing on this over the next few days um, but when we talk about eloquent opinion makers Steve McManaman ain't one of them goodness me what an absolute flat fool he is I mean I've talked about BT Sports coverage on this podcast a few times before because it's rubbish it's consistently poor. Amazon, you have to say, have, have picked their game up massively this season. You know, they had a difficult first season last season. They only had a couple of rounds of games, of course. And it was all right. It wasn't brilliant. But they've really picked it up this season. And I know Clinton Morrison got some some stick for his uh, punditry against, uh, for our game against Leicester a few weeks back. I don't think he was anywhere near as bad as people are making out. And, you know, certainly when we're seeing uh, Karen Carney... Um, getting the, the abuse that she's had on Twitter, which is just unacceptable. Um, whether you agree with her opinions or not, you can't have official club Twitter accounts, um, social media accounts, you know. I mean, if you want to push back on things, that's fine, but there's a way of doing it, and the way that Leeds did it was was poor. And particularly, I thought Karen Carney, uh, she uh, summarised the game, uh, the Leicester game, for the radio, and I was listening to that, and I thought she was very good. And this is the point, is that Clinton Morrison got some stick. I thought he'd done his research, he had opinions, uh, he offered analysis, Karen Carney on the same game, the same. But I don't see that with some a, a lot of pundits. And I think, you know, when there's such a huge amount of coverage of the games, you're going to get some, some rot at times, there's no question about that. But you wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Why are these people not being produced? You know, if... We're watching games with professionals 
casting opinions on them. You want insight and analysis as a fan. You want them to point out things to you that you as a fan, as an ordinary common garden football watcher, no matter how many times you go to games and stuff, you want them to pick things out that you may not have spotted or tell you things or offer you those little insights. They're the nuggets of information you want. And Steve McManaman seems to just act with constant surprise and incredulity about what he's watching. He doesn't offer anything other than, you know, a sense of matching my incredulity of the fact that he's been paid to uh, proffer his opinions on football at all. Irrespective of the fact that it's Everton, he just talks complete nonsense. I mean, I suppose the clue is in the name. He's there to offer analysis and the word anal is in there and he does talk out of his ass a lot of the time. So that may explain that. Uh, Getting on to the game, the West Ham game itself. Um, It was, we were well below par. There's no question. It was a dreadful game, dreadful spectacle. Um, And, you know, I don't think either team, we certainly didn't deserve to win it. I'm not convinced West Ham did, but they got a, a fluky goal. You could just see it was going to be one of those games where it was going to be decided by something coming off somebody's backside or something or other. And they get a massive deflection off Yeri Mina, goes straight into the path of Suchek, and he sticks it in the back of the net. Now, you know, that's the way it is. West Ham, fair play, can't argue with the way that they came to try and play the game. I un- completely understand it. Came, set themselves up, 11 men behind the ball at times, trying to nick a goal on the break uh, or, or from a set piece. They did that and they executed an away game plan perfectly and we couldn't break them down. Um, didn't pass the ball with any flu- fluidity, any fluency. We looked leggy, we looked lacklustre. Uh, and it was a bit of a throwback to some of the games that we had earlier in the in the season, uh, the Southampton, Newcastle, etc. Uh, games where we were just way, way, way uh, off our off our best, and the performance levels had, had sort of swung so markedly from how good we've been in the games before that, and how good we've been in the games before this, or how effective we've been in the games before this. Um, but some of the reaction subsequently. Uh, from uh, fans on on, on social media and and all the rest of it has been somewhat overblown, in my opinion. We've got to put this in context. I know it's frustrating to lose a game that you think you should win at home and we've dropped points at home that we shouldn't have dropped, Leeds being another example of that. But let's look at where we are, okay, and look at how far we've come in in, in a year. Um, And we've got to put it in that context. The thing is, this season is all over the place for every club, not just Everton. And... Um, we've, you know, we've got to just make sure that that was just a bad day at the office, and we don't allow it to turn into two or three or four bad days at the office like we had after uh, we won our, our opening few league games, and then went on a really poor run where we couldn't, we could barely buy a point, and we couldn't get a clean sheet and all the rest of it. This just needs to be right. Bad day at the office. We learn from it. We iron out those mistakes and. You know, we've lost the game by very narrow margins, let's be let's be honest. And we go again against Wolves and we get a result there. And we get our performance levels back to where uh, they need to be and have been over the last uh, few weeks. Um, but, you know, bottom line is we're still up in the upper echelons of the league. You know, we've still got uh, plenty to play for. So everybody just needs to calm down a bit. I mean, and some of the reaction to Richarlison's performance has just been absolutely crackers as well. He was rubbish on, on it was probably his worst game in an Everton shirt, you know, could nickname him Blind Alley because that's what he kept running down for the entire game. But when we've only just learned how to win a game without him, people saying, oh, he's not good enough. We, know, we need to get rid of him. Well, you just put, put put your head in the sand for a bit. Just you know, calm yourselves down because he's an essential cog in uh, our wheel, um, and 
you know, we need to get more service with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who got, who's got absolutely none against West Ham. Um, and, you know, that's got to be, I think that's got to be a central uh, sort of target of the January transfer window, if we can get somebody else in. Um, because him coming to pick the ball up in, in, in the, our own half and stuff like that, things he was doing a couple of years ago when he was sort of making his way and he was never in the box, he was doing everything but score, he was doing huge amounts of donkey work. That's not what we want him doing now, that's other players to do it. But it says a lot that he's not getting the service, which he should have been getting. Guilfrey Sigurdsson should have been bossing that game on New Year's Day and he didn't. Tom Davis was disappointing as well and I've talked him up over the last few weeks. He was well off it. Um so, you know, I, I don't blame him for coming looking for the ball, but that's because he's not getting anything from his teammates. Um, what uh, what uh, Sammy Kadira is going to uh, uh, sort of bring to us, I'm not entirely sure. And I say that as a fan of Sammy Kadira because, you know, uh, he and Mesut Ozil came through at about the same time. Uh, big fan of, uh, more a bigger fan of Sammy Kadira, but I'm not quite sure what buying him. When we're actually quite well covered in central midfield. Um, is going to bring other if he's just there to you know use his experience to try and change games in the last half an hour but the only issue we've had in central midfield is somebody to replace Allen now unless it's going to be that Abdullah Decore drops into that hole um, and Sammy Kadira you know, plays in Abdullah Decore's role, but I don't think he's got the legs of that anymore he's barely played any football in the last 18 months I'm not sure but nonetheless he's undoubtedly been a quality player he's still a, a quality footballer whether he's got the legs of the Premier League at 33 remains to be seen but we should you know it sounds like he's coming in also sounds like Luca Dean signed a new contract which is fantastic I did was well, starting to get the jitters that he was going to uh, disappear off to other clients but he's so crucial uh, to the way we play his attacking prowess and we have missed him despite Ben Godfrey's best efforts over the last few weeks um, but I can't wait to have him back and can't wait to have him at the club for a, a long time uh, so disappointing against West Ham but we've got chance to Get that out of our system quite quickly against Rotherham and against Wolves over the course of the next week. I'll talk to you in episode 33 after the Rotherham game uh, next weekend. And until then, come on you blues. (laughs) 